0: What's going on ladies and gentlemen, this is Muscle and this is another Two Line Music Cuts entertainment report podcast. And today we have a living special guest in the building today. Listen, this man here has been in Canada from 1970. He's been involved with a restaurant, with music, with entertainment in a whole listen. We have the one and only Mr. Victor Tipper Henry in the building from the original Tipper Tone Sound in Toronto right here. What's going on, Big Boss? I'm
1: um, blessing. That's all.
0: Everything is good with you? Yeah,
1: everything good.
0: All right. Welcome to the Entertainment Report podcast. And I know today, having somebody like you on the podcast, you're going to teach us a lot. Because if you're saying you've been in Canada from 1970 and you've been involved with the Ca- from the Canadian point from then, there's a lot of stuff we're going to learn. Because I was born in 1975. So we're talking about five years before I was even born.
1: Definitely. So I'm going to walk the journey with you.
0: Yeah. All right. So then let's actually start in Jamaica and then we'll come to Canada. Definitely. All right. Okay. What part of Jamaica are you from and what actually got you introduced into music and even cooking?
1: Okay. From Jamaica, a place, most fruitful place in the hills of St. Andrew, East rural St. Andrew, mm-hmm. Mavis Bank, some of the great musicians also from there okay the cousin also was from there back then they got a orchestra band back then called luther parks two brothers mm-hmm. there was Bago. Mm-hmm. okay also, also yeah was a part of that band
0: mm-hmm.
1: and also I, I was fortunate my parents they owned a lot of property in kinson mm-hmm. greenridge farm um in the Dunkirk area and um Lars Street and Slipe Road. Okay. And my father also did own a barber shop on Orange Street, close to Beverly. Yeah. And close to Beverly Record and close to Coxon. And Lee Perry was over on the other side and also Bonnelly.
0: Okay, so you were in the middle of the mix with everybody then. Because we're talking about Bunny Lee Stryker, Coxing God Studio One, and everybody else is right here off of Orange Street, you said?
1: Lee Perry and Prince Lieber. Buster. Yeah. Wow. And another guy called J.J. Johnson.
0: Yeah. So he was a producer Those also? Those were the
1: top producer. Yeah. yeah? First person to produce, um, uh, Carl Dawkins.
0: J.J. Johnson.
1: J.J. Johnson.
0: You see, we, we haven't been on for even five minutes. And we're learning stuff right away. All right. So then, I guess because you were so close to all the music and stuff, it's basically in your blood.
1: Yeah, definitely. Because when I was growing up, mm-hmm. all my other like schoolmate and classmate, they want to play cricket, soccer, and thing. Mm-hmm. I was interested going around with same Auckland parks, and mm-hmm. he was a student. Student musician at that time. He played for Prince Buster. He played also for J.J. Johnson drum. He played for um, Duke Reed Mm -hmm. at at Treasure Isle. Okay. So I had the privilege to go around with him. Sometime, I don't even go to school. I take some time and I go around with him. Yeah. And he was main drummer at Downbeat in a band called Clue J and the Blues Blaster before the Scatelight. Yeah. And so, they
0: were uh, like a studio a studio band.
1: The studio band. That was Carlson's first studio, one, um, studio band, Studio and mm-hmm. the Blues Blaster. Yeah.
0: And do you know around what year we're talking about here?
1: That was in the year 1960, 61.
0: 61.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then uh, now. I, I got the opportunity to, to go around at that yeah. time.
0: Okay, so you're involved, you're you're getting to see everything in music. What were some of the artists that you actually seen at that point there?
1: Well, at that time, Ray Shirley, mm-hmm. Harold Dunkley, Ken Booth, Stranger Cole, Alton Ellis, John Holt, Bob Andy, Marcel Griffiths, and you got a bunch, Nana McLean. Okay. From back then? Yeah, from back then at Studio One. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I didn't know that she was coming from so far.
1: Yeah, yeah, Nana Clean. Yeah. She was living in Linstead and Mr. Dad got a band out for Linstead called most of the players Soul Defenders.
0: Soul Defenders.
1: Yeah, that was one of um Mr. Dad's studio band. He had then and then I had also he had the Sound Dimension with 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 Joe Mm Isaacs David Madden.
0: Mm hmm David Madden plays the not the trombone, the the trumpet. Trumpet, yes. Yes. David
1: Madden Mm -hmm. also come from my area.
0: Yeah.
1: So the the music one and what struck me more than all was um real rock. You remember that song Real Rock? Of course. That double drum roll?
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Who was playing that drum? Lee R. Wallace. What? Yeah. Real Rock.
0: The original Real Rock.
1: Yeah, great drummer. Yeah. In Soul Dimension.
0: hmm Wow. You're 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 definitely dropping a lot of gems today.
1: Yeah, and then Leo Sibyls did play a lot of bass in there. Yeah. But at studio one, Leroy Sibbles was the arranger. He added um, addition um lot of um, artists mm-hmm. like the um, Ethiopian. Yeah, I could remember that, Burning Spear. Mm-hmm. Dennis Brown. He added those addition those guys. What? Leroy Sibbles.
0: Leroy Sibbles. Because yeah. I heard somewhere that really. It was really re- Leroy Sibbles that was responsible for a lot of the productions happening at Studio One at one point.
1: Yeah, well, not only Leroy Sibbles, mm-hmm. you had Leroy Sibbles, everybody got the little time You got Leroy Sibbles, you got Jackie Me Too, mm-hmm. you got Clue J, Okay. you got Harvey Adams, yeah. Tiafi Lux Bedford, and all those guys... Roland Alfonso, it was the main, Tommy McCook. Yes. Dan Drummond. Mm-hmm. So those were the main musicians there. And then you got the bass player, like Brivet and, and drum, mm-hmm. like Nibs.
0: Wow, this is the original studio one we're talking about here. The
1: original studio one. And yeah. Then the Skettelite, you got Lester Sterling. hmm You got Ernest um, Ranklin. Mm -hmm. Some of Jamaica best, greatest musician.
0: Yeah. At that time there. At at that time. All right. Okay. And then you're absorbing all of this as a kid, I guess, coming up in the area. You're absorbing it. So when did you actually decide to, what did you deal with first? Was it music or was it food?
1: No. I'm a farmer, original. Farmer? Yeah. Okay. So I was original farmer. Mm -hmm. And also back then, um... A construction worker, a Mason. And how my grandfather was a contractor for the KSAC. Yeah. And he was a Mason. So yeah. during going to school, on a Friday after school, I always go with my granddad. Mm-hmm. And that's where I make my little money. And yeah. at the same time, he, he was teaching me to become so a Mason. So
0: it's a win win. You make some money and you learn something. Something.
1: And When I leave Jamaica, Mm -hmm. 1969, go to Bermuda, Mm -hmm. spend one year in Bermuda, Mm -hmm. and came back, I was one of the greatest mason in my generation back then. I was specialized in beam and column, those are the things that the contractor they put me on Mm -hmm. to build.
0: Okay, so then on 69, you went to Bermuda for a colony.
1: Colony, yeah.
0: Okay, so then you came back to Jamaica, or where did you go from there?
1: Came back to Jamaica. Yeah. Spent about a couple of months, Mm and then 1970,
0: Toronto. Toronto. Okay, so then this is where we come into play now, you know what
1: I mean? And then when I came to Toronto at that time, Mm -hmm. I came on a contract I was in Bermuda Mm -hmm. working for the Holiday Inn as as a breakfast chef. And then when I came to Canada, Mm -hmm. I started working in the hotel with the um, Holiday Inn Mm -hmm. that was out in the Dan Valley. Yes. Work as a sous chef. Mm -hmm. Then I go to Humber and I develop and I become an executive chef. And I go work for another big company again in Montreal. That yeah. was um, Miracle Mart, Steinberg Group okay. at that time.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: developing up recipes. Okay. And I work until 1987. Mm-hmm. And 87, when I leave them, I open up my own restaurant, 1987.
0: Yeah. Okay. So then Cook the recipes. restaurant opened 87, and what's the name of it? tippers tippers okay before we even get to the restaurant because remember this is 87 that means you're in canada for 17 years we need to get to the music before we even get to the restaurant because that's as i said that's 17 years in all right so then when you came now how long did it take for you to establish a sound system or to get into music once you hit toronto
1: when i came it took me because I was so in the music so it took me probably six months to get established. Okay. Because at the time when I came again I came with some funds on me. Yeah. So I came in and I was in demand working for the Holiday in. Mm-hmm. so I wasn't hunting for a job or nothing so I get right in yeah. start to work and then go out and the weekend sometime at a little dance, mm-hmm. you got these people playing a little house stereo, little dance in the basement and thing. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, we have to take it further than that. Yeah. We have to take it to heights. And then I built a sound. And don't forget at that time when you build a sound, it's not like a guy going out with a computer playing some record. Mm-hmm. You're gonna have to buy amplifier, the box, all your equipment. You're gonna have a truck to transport yeah. your stuff that sound system. So I was a sound system owner, not a DJ.
0: Got you. Big difference.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I started, buy all those equipment. I remember at that time, I buy a lot of equipment at that time from
0: Yeah.
1: And those technique turntables and stuff like that at Bay Blow Radio. Yes. I remember, so I buy a lot of equipment and... Got quite a bit of equipment and then start to play, but in the basement and mm-hmm. stuff like that until we go to these hall mm-hmm. play um, the Ma- Masonic at
0: yeah.
1: Young Street there.
0: But before we even get all of that, because first of all, what was the name of the sound at that time there?
1: At that time, between 1970 to 79, mm-hmm. the uh, song called Soul Dog, not okay. D-O-G, yeah. D-U-G. Got you. Sold on. And let me ask you, why did you call it that? Because actually, we was playing a mixture of music mm-hmm. at that time. We are playing some calypso,
2: mm-hmm.
1: playing not so called that calypso, um, some funk, yeah. soul music, and little reggae, like just the lighter side of reggae yeah. at that time.
0: Okay, so then it's that like was Soul Dog.
1: Like a couple Bob Marley, a couple of Ray Shirley, a couple of Wilson, like the Scare version mm-hmm. and stuff like that.
0: So it was a really a party song.
1: That's correct.
0: Yeah. Okay, you guys started out basement. And this time, were you actually selecting it or you had somebody else around you at this time here?
1: No, at that time, when it was Soul uh, Dog, I was the selector. You really? The, the owner.
0: Yeah. Okay, but so. But I got
1: crew around me.
0: Mm-hmm. And it was one turntable or two turntables? One at turntable. Time? One turntable. Yes. So what did you do in between the music stopping and getting the next song? Was somebody talking? What was well, happening?
1: So, somebody talking at that time. Yeah. So by the time they finished the, the next music.
0: Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a hardcore talking. It was more or less, I guess, like a toasting or to- something. Toasting,
1: like- yeah. was yeah. hardcore talking at all.
0: Yeah, okay. So then you guys became popular around that time also?
1: I was very popular at that time.
0: Mm-hmm. And at what other what other sound systems were around at that time? There between sixty nine, between seventy to seventy nine.
1: At that time, there was um, a guy out of England. His not son was Joe Creed. Okay, Dudley Hal G I Five. Those were the sounds. Myself, and then comes. Jammies. That is the time when I changed the name Soul Dog to Tipper Tone i5.
0: Okay, why Why did you change it at that because time? Because
1: we were playing strictly Rubber Dog.
0: Was it because the market changed, or you decided instead of being a party song, you wanted to go into the Rubber Dog market?
1: Want wanted to go into the Rubber Dog because it of slightly, reggae was playing more prevalent. Mm-hmm. So, we want to make it into a rubber dub song, so we'll go into rubber dub song.
0: Mm-hmm. So, Jammies is one of the songs that actually influenced you to go into rubber dub at that time, there.
1: That, that's correct.
0: Yeah, yeah, because a lot of people, if they don't know, this is the original Jammies we're talking about, King Jamies. King Jammies, yes. that's him. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: he was one of the first sound system here
0: mm-hmm.
1: in Toronto. Did yeah, we have Jammies, Dudley, as I said, Duke Mm-hmm myself, then comes Upsetter, yes, Stereograph, mm-hmm. as Robert Dumb Soul, I'm talking, yeah, and Black Roots.
0: Yes, yes. Those were big, big songs back then. All right, so then when you guys had changed from Soul Dog to um, Tipper, what was that transition like? Were people actually still following you guys, or you guys had to build a new crowd? What was that like?
1: No, that was the time when it got real. Heavy, yeah, because at that time, remember, I got the access from all these people in Jamaica, yeah. So I get some of the best pre release and also dub plate Mm -hmm. coming out of Jammies because Jammies went back, yeah. Coming out of Jammies, coming out of Studio One, coming out of King Tubby's Mm -hmm.
0: and Arrows, and Arrows, yeah. All right, and this time you're talking about when you say specials, you're basically like, no, not even special, dub plates. There's this thing that we're talking about. Let me show the camera. This thing right here is called a dub plate. All right, and explain to me exactly what a dub plate is well, in those times there.
1: D- those time, a dub plate is like a pre-release. Mm-hmm. You have dub plate and special, mm-hmm. and then you have the pre-release.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Pre-release, if you happen to um fortunate to hook up with the particular producer Mm -hmm. then you'll have tons of pre-release and you'll able to play those music like months before they even release okay and i have the privilege of working with as i said most of these guys like jammies getting the music out of there you play it for months and months Mm -hmm. um Cox and Dad get that bunch out, out of it and Tubby's is the one who mixed on a lot of the special too mm-hmm. and then also Bonnelly, Lee Yes produced yes. Johnny Clark at that time back in those times and one thing I can never forget mm-hmm. um, this music hinted into his gate with praise with Johnny Clark I was playing that music in lease in Canada for at least ten weeks before it get here.
0: Wow. A Johnny Clark by Bunny Lee Stryker. Y- yes. Yeah.
1: So I happened to play all those music and he got tons of other music. Um Keep On Moving, Johnny Clark also. Mm-hmm. And play all of those music. Coming oh. Blood Donzer and we could go on and on. Linval Thompson again.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, so Linball, I would, I would play Linval Thompson until tomorrow Yeah, and pre-release and Barry Brown. Yeah. Those are the time music we were playing. The, most of the Barry Brown, I did get them from Sugar Miner.
0: Got you. Okay, so you're really moving around, especially from a Canadian standpoint, bringing in all this stuff here. Because what was a dance hall scene like back then?
1: It was totally different from now. Mm-hmm. Those was time like in the dance, Masonic Temple and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're playing, the dance is packed from, at least, depending on what song played. Yeah. 10, 11 o'clock, it's packed. Wow. And that was fun. Mm-hmm. People enjoyed the music. Mm-hmm. And
0: it was, I guess, one turntable. It was one sound system or one DJ at that time. They're also at that time. Yeah,
1: it's in the nineties, early nineties. Then you got Sound Clash and yeah. But back then, I did play with a couple son mm-hmm. in the eighties. Mm-hmm. I play with Stereograph. I play with Um Upsetter, mm-hmm. which was another champion sound here. Upsetter, champion sound. Yeah, those are the son I rate as Robert dub sound.
0: For sure. And as you said, when you change over to rub it up, who were some of the artists you actually had on Tipperton at that time there?
1: Okay, I got Johnny Ringo, I got Papa's son. I wasn't the one who brought them, but the promoter brought them and they were nice on. Yeah. Actually I've got tape with Johnny Ringo and man.
0: And all of these at this time here, these were still basement parties or they were now inside no, of like
1: into the hall. In the halls. Yeah. And also with those pre-release, there's one producer in Canada which I cannot left out because he again mm-hmm. was the foundation producer in Canada. Yeah. Producing reggae music, Lodi Pioneer. Mm-hmm. And I got tons of pre-release and dub from Lodi at that time. Yeah. Before the music even released with Colleen Davis, Johnny Osborne and Pioneer themselves. Pioneer, big tune at that time in the dance was a song called Push Your Man. Okay. And with Carleen Davis did uh Babandi version of Desperate Lover.
0: Carleen Davis yes. Yes.
1: I got them on dub the play.
0: Yeah. You never know, and especially, as I tell a lot of people, there's like a period of time where a lot of reggae music got like almost missing you see like between that 78 to 84 time period it's like for some reason there's a lot of that is erased you can't really hear about it you can't find it it's just you had to be there or you that's it everything started to come back after 85 86 you find all of that but before that up to 78 for some reason, it's really, really missing unless you lived it like how Live you lived it. it.
1: life. So yeah. that's why I'm here to tell you, I lived the life, not mm-hmm. only focusing on myself, but mm-hmm. all the people who build their house.
0: Yeah. All right there. Something I forgot to ask you, Tipper Tone. We know that there's a Tipper Tone in Jamaica and I think there's one in England. What's this and association one. and when where?
1: Well, okay, when I... Explain and I'll tell you. Okay. What I said.
0: What's the association with any of them, if any?
1: Okay. The sound Tipperton was owned by my brethren, Finger. Okay. My Lane and stuff. Okay. Mm-hmm. Jawise used to be the, the selector there too. Jawise.
0: Original Jawise.
1: J- yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Big U used to so be there. So with big youth again, mm-hmm. when he came to Ontario Place, I was there with big youth, so those are people who I, I know that just picking up out of the air. Yeah. So when they come to Canada, I'm the person, whoever bring them in. Okay. I'm always amongst them.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so then you're basically, you're associated with the Jamaican tipper tone. Yeah. Okay, you're like, I guess, the Canadian I, extension.
1: Yeah, I wasn't the owner, but he was my brother. hmm So that's why I, I remember the way he used to play mm-hmm. in Jamaica. Yeah. So here in Canada, we establish it.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, big, big song. Because again, you heard about it. I heard about it a lot of, when I was a kid. But I've never had that time there. I never went to know Tip dance. But you definitely heard about Tip Well,
1: I used to be all the Tip of Tone dance. Port Henderson, yeah. Furnace. When I'm going to play country, i always there. Mm-hmm. Tip
0: All right. So, as some Canadian reggae artist, who did you have DJing on Tip as the rubber Dub song at that time there?
1: Okay. These DJ used to DJ and different songs, but they always pass you. Mm-hmm. Bobby Zara used to touch it. Yes. Yeah. Fowler. Handy mm-hmm. Dan. Mm-hmm. Kitty Puss mm-hmm. went back to Jamaica. Chester Miller.
0: Okay.
1: Used to sing out. Cousin. Altanelli's son. I would go on and then we have Daddy Percy as the DJ. Mm-hmm. Sugarman. Charlie Brown, used to be the singer. Mm -hmm. Wally Ritchie. Yes. Wally Ritchie, which he did a lot of Mm specials for me too. Okay. Yep. Back then. Great singer.
0: When did you actually start cutting um, specials and dub plates? Around 1975. 75. So you'd say... Possibly you're one of the first songs up here with dub plates and specials?
1: Without a doubt.
0: Without a doubt.
1: Without a doubt. I got my receipts. so we can prove that to
0: you. Yeah. From 75, yeah, because that's early. That's really, really early. That's actually the year I was born, 1975.
1: I I used to go back, and those first little dub plates, I got them out of um, studio one, like The Choice of Color, Mm -hmm. Marcia Griffith's Melody. Life mm. and them, um, those dub plates, Baba and the Desperate Lover were playing and, I was playing them On A dub plates? Plate. Not the record.
0: Crazy. And that was your specialty was to actually get dub plates back then?
1: Then, yeah. yeah.
0: That's quite interesting, boss. Yeah,
1: and there was much money in the yeah. sound business at that mm-hmm. time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But it was just my passion, music. Yeah. To play out that time. How
0: much would people, how much would you actually charge to play out at that time?
1: Maybe, maybe so, some little thing you get, maybe $150, yeah. $300. <laughs> back then.
0: Yeah, with a full sound system. With
1: a full sound system. Yeah. Like just walking with a little computer. Yeah. You you have your equipment, mm-hmm. tons of equipment, cost thousands of dollars. Yeah. So you get those in, bring them in, set up, and plus you got a crew. Mm-hmm. But at that time, those guys was really doing it for the money either. Yeah. It was just a likeness for these, these DJs.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow, back then. Okay. So then now, where did things start to go and develop from uh, in the Canadian industry back
1: then? Well, to, to be frank, the music, as I said, started to develop reggae music mm-hmm. around 76, 77 mm-hmm. when Sydney Cook's Luddy, started a lot of um, production. Mm -hmm. And Lodi Cooks combined with Winston Hewitt, the founder of the Jamaican Canadian Reggae Award. Okay. So that's where real production started. Mm -hmm. They produced a lot of music. And also, Pete Western produced Mm -hmm. also a lot lot of music. Carl Mullins did produce Tanya Mullins in the late nineties, two thousand. Yeah. So those were the top producer. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt, with all fairness.
0: Yeah. Okay, and where would you think there? Where would you actually, outside of the dances? Where would you actually be able to hear reggae music? Was it actually playing on the radio or anything yet?
1: No, not much. You might hear like Israelite and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And then when Bob Marley, One Love, come and stuff like that, they were playing that. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't say hardcore reggae. I'm talking about conscious reggae. You would hear those play on the radio like Burning Spear, Jimmy Cliff. Yeah. And there was no. So we bring it in the dance and we bring it to the people.
0: Got you. So when did the actual radio, when did reggae start playing on the radio back then?
1: I'd say, l- again, late 80s. Mm-hmm. And again, the first commercial station to have a reggae program was, and, um, I think it was 99.1, mm-hmm. not too sure. That station... Delocated located at the Young and St. Clair. And the program called Reggae in the City by P.V. Smith.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. And
1: P.V. Smith, and then after P.V. Smith, after that show, mm-hmm. um, dissolved, then come Lee Marshall.
0: Lee Marshall. Yeah. And do you know around what year this was? was
1: called Reggae Plus. This was in the... Late ninety again, two thousand, coming two thousand, call reggae plus. Okay. With Lee Marshall. Yeah. And a commercial station. And a
0: commercial station, yeah. yeah. That's definitely interesting there because it took a real long time for us to start really get into the reggae on a commercial level in Canada.
1: Yeah. Well and commercial station it's not until um um hated this what it's called? Not, not floor, flo came, yeah. was supposed to be a reggae station, but it didn't work out.
0: That's very interesting there. Now, okay, so I want to, we're still in the music, but I want to get to your food journey now. You have the song, Tipper Tone, all right? When did you open your restaurant? 1987.
1: 1987.
0: 87. Okay. So then you're still playing out while you have the restaurant?
1: No. I'm um, Playing out big dances and stuff.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: The end of it was 86. Was 86? 86. How come? Um, Because of my job. Mm -hmm. So it take me to other heights, so I was to abandon the sound Mm -hmm. and then take on my job at a higher level, working with um, a company out of Montreal, which is, was Steinberg, mm-hmm. called Intercity Food at that time. Okay. And then I was working as an executive chef. Yeah. Developing a recipe, not just little cooking a little food. Yeah. develop recipe.
0: What kind of recipes?
1: Um, well, all kinds of recipes, Canadian, Canadian food. Mm-hmm. And I worked for them for about 12 years.
0: From 86
1: yeah. up. Yeah, I worked for, for them for 12 years. I, the places I worked for them, I worked at the Ontario Science Center. Okay. Yeah. International Center. Mm-hmm. And they had tons of restaurants in the Toronto region. Mm-hmm. One was in Scarborough Town Center. When they, when they first opened, yeah. there was a restaurant in there. I was like an executive chef there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: One was at Bramley City Center. Mm-hmm. When they first opened, I was the executive chef there. And then in 87, I decided to open my own.
0: Yeah. Okay, so in 87, you opened your restaurant. And what was the name of your restaurant? Um, Carl Tipper's. Tipper's. Tipper's Food. All right. And where was it located?
1: Um, on Western Road. Mm-hmm. And what really... Um, planned me to get in the restaurant is a associate, a friend I got called Lance Ingleton. Yeah. He was the CEO for promotion company called Lip, Lip Promotion, Lance Ingleton Promotion. Got you. So me and Lance linked together. Mm-hmm. I'm on the food side, you're yeah, on the entertainment side. And Lance used to bring in artists from all over the globe. Wish I could tell you. Um, Lincoln, Crazy John out of England. Lance Singleton, the first person to bring him here. Um, Max Priest,
0: Okay.
1: Um, B.B. King. Simpson and Ashfield. We could could go on on and on. Lance Singleton bringing all of those artists. Burning Spear, Mm -hmm. Culture. And, and another great company, promotion company at that time,
2: mm-hmm.
1: called Blue Note. Blue Note Promotion. Yeah, he used to bring in like the Sanchez, um, Barrington Levy, and so forth. he did had a little promotion company, but wasn't as big. But Lip was the big one because even the, the reggae Sunsplash Leg, yeah, Canada. Lance was the one who brought it in. Okay. Yep.
0: Yeah, and this was—I think this was early '90s here, when they were when they did the reggae sunsplash. That might have been with Shaba and all of them on it.
1: Uh, No, um, Shaba wasn't on it. It was um, Dinah King, I remember. Yeah. And Bojo.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I just seen the flyer for that the other day. I I collect flyers. Uh, uh, You know what I mean? So I've seen that flyer the other day. Wow. Okay. So then you were saying with um, Lance now, he was entertainment, you were the food. So how did you guys work together? Did you cook for them or you catered for the shows or how did that work?
1: No. Well, Lance, not only bringing in, like, um, he was a promotion company, not Mm. only bringing in, artists, what mm-hmm. he bringing speakers and stuff like that, like Johnny Cochran and so forth. And on the other hand, yeah. I mean associated with Jamaica mm-hmm. with with the um the, the party, the PNP party in Jamaica, I associate mm-hmm. with them. So any one of the minister, Prime Minister, whatever come to Toronto, yeah. I was the one who look after their meal, although they at the hotel. Yeah. The food going to be taken there by me.
0: <laughs> yeah. Because I guess they had special diets or stuff, or they just liked how you cooked. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's that's amazing. And you said you cooked for Johnny
1: Cochran, boss? Yes, yes. Lance Singleton is the one who, who brought him here. S- some other group, but yeah. Lance Singleton was producer for the yeah, promoter for the, the, yeah. that show, Johnny Cocker and back then.
0: Yeah. And what type of what type of meals were you preparing? Was it West Indian at that time or it was whatever that they had requested?
1: No, well, it's kind of West Indian but with international flavor. Yeah. So you're going to have to dial it around and fix it up.
0: Yeah. Wow, Johnny Cocker. that's that's amazing there yeah. still Because I remember coming to your restaurant a few times And when you looked on the wall You would see you with basically everybody you could think about I'm talking Shaba, Dennis Brown, John Holt, Gregory Isaacs, Burning Spirit The list goes on and on and on
1: Well, and definitely, and most of these artists All of them pass through there mm-hmm. In the last art there, you got Josie Will, All of those artists, Brigadier Jerry Sister Nancy,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Apache Scratchy, you name it. Mm-hmm. They all came through there, and again, I got the receipt. Yeah, I got all of those pictures
0: on the wall of fame at that time. The though.
1: wall of fame. Yeah. Well, it is called the Tipper Wall of Fame. Yeah, because I got a page on mm-hmm. the Facebook, and mm-hmm. that's what what one of those picture I posted. Yeah, it's from the Tipper Tipper. Archive. Yeah. Are uh, from the Wall of Fame. Crazy. And also the records too. I yeah. Like the records are those people.
0: Okay. You have all of that too. Yeah. Because even here, when I look, this is another bacteria sound thing. I have an award here that says, um, from the Canadian Reggae Musics, this is 1985, top sound system, Tipper Tone International. 1985. All right. Let's talk about this award here. Who else was actually you remember who else was actually up for award at that time there or who would be
1: At that time somebody else? There was three songs. Yeah. It was Jamis, Jew Creed, and myself. Yeah. No, sorry. And another song called Michigan. Mm Mm-hmm. Four. Yeah. Four songs.
0: And you won? Yeah. And you beat all of them for the top reggae song at that time there. Wow. What were some other awards that you had actually won for? I
1: got um, the Award of Merit, Mm -hmm. Canadian Reggae Music Award of Merit. Yeah. It was really graceful. I got the Pioneer Award in Reggae Music Mm -hmm. in Toronto, Yeah, given by another company. Mm -hmm. And tons and tons. I got so much award, like from Heart and Stroke, but that go in the food business. Yeah. From Heart and Stroke.
0: Okay, want to go back into the music business here a bit more before we actually continue down the um, food business. Artist wise, who were actually some of your good friends? And give us some of the stories with some of your friends that are artists.
1: Okay, well, if I go back to Jamaica now, mm-hmm. Toots, again, I, oh, I cannot stop calling it, was a very close friend. The first time when I traveled mm-hmm. to Bermuda, I was living at that time in Westkinson, Pink Lane. Toots was the first person who took me to the airport. What? Yeah. He and his brethren, he had a brethren called Sabo in yeah. Trench They took me to the airport. And since then, Toots, wherever Toots come to Toronto, mm-hmm. I always happen to go and yeah. meet Toots. Always.
0: Okay, whenever he came to Toronto. Yeah.
1: The the last time me and Tut's um, meal up was January at the Rebel Salute.
0: Okay. Yeah. Wow. Who else were some of your friends there?
1: Delroy Wilson. Mm -hmm. You know me very well. Ken Booth again. Yeah. Linvald Thompson. Barry Brown was living here too.
0: Barry Brown?
1: Barry Brown was living in Toronto. Mm -hmm. Produced by... King culture so we had some great producer here in Toronto okay back then the, back then
0: yeah that's interesting
1: Halton Ellis Leroy Brown and so forth okay and Barry Brown hold on. I want
0: to visit this Barry Brown situation how long was Barry Brown up here for
1: he was here for maybe a couple of years. Yeah. He did quite a f- few songs for King Culture.
0: Yes. King Culture was on St. Clair or Eglinton? Yeah, King
1: Culture and Eglinton. Yes. Very good producer also.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow, and these were all some people that you were associated with.
1: Yeah. And back then, mm-hmm. Hopeton Lindo, to me, one of the... Away from Bob Andy, mm-hmm. he's one of the top songwriter in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. we we'll call him Mr. Penn, away from Bob Andy. Yeah. He's in the same class. I'm um, Lindo. Good virgin of mine used to come here all the time, too. Mm-hmm. Wow,
0: never knew that. Bob Marley, you ever met Bob Marley?
1: No, well, it's not when I met. When Bob Marley used to, together, when he about changed on here, because I tell you... And at Studio One, mm-hmm. that's where I meet him most of the time with um Joe Higgs. Yes. When when they have session.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow, Bob Marley. What was Bob Marley like because as when a person? You go up
1: by by um Brentford Road there. There was a big mango tree there.
0: Yeah.
1: And so if you got the privilege of going there, you're gonna meet a lot of people.
0: Mm-hmm. What was Bob Marley
1: like? All I know, he was great, Det- determined, a man you can get to the sky yeah. if you want. That's a man, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't just for himself. Yeah, he always appreciated the people who helped him build the house.
0: Mm-hmm. The great Robert
1: Nestor Marley. Marley, yeah. yeah. Wow. Because, again, it wasn't only Bob Marley mm-hmm. that built the whalers. Yeah. Bonnie Whalers, Peter Tosh, mm-hmm. Beverly Kelso, yeah. Cherry Green. He needed from Keaton Heenid do some backup with, with whalers. Okay. Jackie Opel did some backup with mm-hmm. whalers. And the group whal- whalers themselves do some backup. Another track, other people. Like, for instance, the Babandi, I got to go back home. Whalers was the one who did backup. Whalers. I got to go back home. Play that track and you'll see. Whalers yeah. was the one who backing up Babandi on and that track and several other tracks.
0: Yeah. You learn something new every day. I didn't know that they also did backup. I thought they were strictly Bob Marley and the Whalers. I didn't know that they did backup for other people also. It, it, yes. Yeah. The
1: Whalers, the Whalers, not Bob Marley, the yeah. Whalers mm-hmm. did backup for other group,
0: yeah. at Studio One.
1: Yeah.
0: You learn something new every single solitary day. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's why I like speaking to somebody like you that really you're around. And you get it, into you, it's like, yeah, I was there. I know this.
1: Yeah. And also, Joe Higgs Mm -hmm. did some backup for the whalers. There's a couple songs that -hmm. they did. Joe Higgs did backup in there.
0: Yeah. The history that's in there, it's like you'll never know unless you speak to somebody that was there.
1: You probably have to live the life. You have to Mm -hmm. be there. Yeah. Yeah, you have to live it.
0: Because again, a lot of times this is something where you're just living the life. You're not seen as anything special. It's not until you fast forward 40 years later and mm-hmm. it's like, whoa, that's what really happened there.
1: But then again, probably I was special mm-hmm. because I got clippings from newspaper since 1955 when the Queen Elizabeth was, what um, you call it? Crown or whatever. I got clippings from newspaper Mm -hmm. because my mom was a great reader.
0: Yeah.
1: Was a intellect. Yeah. She still is. Mm -hmm. She's 95. 95?
0: God bless her soul. Yep. God is great, She
1: used to do lots of reading, so... Mm -hmm. I got clippings from newspaper and stuff. Mm-hmm. As we're doing the interview here today. You mm-hmm. see what I'm telling you. Yeah. When I say anything, I like to make sure I got my receipt. Yeah. <laughs> because don't forget, yeah. there was other people there too. Eh?
0: Yeah. So you got to make sure that you so represent. Make
1: sure you get the story as straight as possible mm-hmm. and don't distort it. Yeah. All right.
0: Want some more artist story? As I said, I remember seeing somebody like Dennis Brown. How did you guys connect?
1: Dennis Brown, again, I know him from a club called Tit for Tat. Yeah. When, up by Reddills Road, when Light Parks Mm -hmm. was playing, Light Parks had a band called Skin, Flesh and Bone.
0: Oh, this was before We the People.
1: (laughs) That's right. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. yeah. Ah. So he had a band there and he used to play Tit for Tat. And that's where, and at um, Tit for Tat.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he was auditioned by a and dad by U.I. Um, Sybils. Yes. This and then his first big hit, mm-hmm. not his first hit, but his first big hit out of Studio One was No Man is an Island. Yes. And let's not forget, people should know that, mm-hmm. that was not Dennis Brown original. That's a cover version.
0: That's a cover version. That's right. Never knew that. All this time I thought that was an original song. No.
1: It was a cover version mm-hmm. by some American artists. Yeah. Same as Just Because I'm Black and all those come out Studio One. Those are cover version. Um oh, Can I Change My Mind with Alton Ellis?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And a lot of those things. Um Ken Bood with Mustang Sally, that's yeah. a Wilson Wilson Pickett song. Yeah. And so forth. So in the early days of rocksteady, mm-hmm. because those songs tend to use rocksteady, those was um, covered. Yeah, most of them were covered.
0: That's basically um, how the rocksteady
1: went. Yeah, in, in the rocksteady. Year. And also, Delroy Wilson cover three or four songs from a group called the Thames.
0: Yeah. You learn. you can definitely learned something. I
1: about four songs mm-hmm. from a group called the TAM. T-A-M-S.
0: T-A-M-S, the TAMS. TAMS. All right. I want two more swears from you. Give me something with Gregory Isaacs and Delroy Wilson.
1: Well, to me, there was two great artists in their own, mm-hmm. own right. Because... Delroy Wilson have gone through all the genre music when Del Gregory only come into the music in, in the reggae genre. Delroy Wilson have gone through Ska, rock steady, and then into reggae.
0: Delroy Wilson?
1: That, yes. He learned
0: something new every single day. And Gregory Isaacs, you were personal friends with him also?
1: Well, we were associates, not not friends.
0: Mm -hmm. Who else would you say was our friend? We're
1: close. If you go, Ken Booth, John Holt, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: then them was key.
0: Yeah. Give me some stories about about Ken Booth and um, John Holt.
1: Well, not much story I can give you. All I know, they're great artists. Yeah. And they're workers, I'm telling you.
2: Mm
0: -hmm.
1: When they go to work, they go to work. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Definitely, yeah. And I know, like, okay, let's come up the line a bit. When it comes to even dance artists like Shaba, how was that association built with you and Shaba?
1: Okay, with Shaba, again, Christine, you, you know Christine. Of course, she promoter do, Christine. Uh, of course, Christine. When Shaba come, Shaba used to be done by Christine, and mm-hmm. Christine is the one who brought Shaba. to tippers. Yeah, and that's where we link up.
0: And every time he came, it's you he wanted to see.
1: That's right. So mm-hmm. that's where we we'll link up. And then I used to go back and forth to Jamaica, back to Jammies. And most of my like, special, I wanted Chabos to do a couple intro, mm-hmm. but he didn't happen to do it. But who did my intro at that time was a DJ called Major Warriors. What? Yeah. Yeah. Major Wars did most of my intro and my special. You have Major... Okay.
0: Did he actually give you any songs or he just did the intros? He did the intro. Major Worries boss. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's big right there. Because a lot of people, if you guys don't know who Major Warriors is from King Jamies, you definitely got to do some research because Major Warriors was yeah. like 20, 30 years ahead of his time. His style was crazy. His style,
1: yeah. The uh, dog played. Yeah. He gave me his... Credential on them and they're great. Those are music forever. Another person who are good friends, Hedy Fitzroy. Yes. Was my good buddy, Mm -hmm. Optan Lindo. Mm -hmm. They are friends.
0: Yeah. No, it's just amazing to see when you sit down and speak to somebody that just had friends.
1: are Sibyls. I'm a burden for life.
0: Yeah. He used to live up here at one point. That's right. Yeah.
1: Not only... Uh, him who used to live here Not a lot of musicians mm-hmm. you have Joe, Jojo Bennett um, Jackie Me Too okay. used to live here Alton Ellis Colleen Davis hold on you're going too fast
0: Alton Ellis used to live in, in yeah. Toronto
1: yeah for a while Johnny Asburn Johnny I know yes yeah Fitty, again cannot leave him out Lodi Pioneers Lodi, yeah. Winston Hewitt Ronnie
0: yeah,
1: who used to play in the band Larry Akin and the All Stars.
0: Okay.
1: And we could go on and on you have Carl Byrne, who lived used to play in the scatterlight Yeah. Lynn Tate, used to live in Montreal. Yeah. There was a lot. Yeah. And Nana McLean.
0: Mm-hmm. That's and why I knew it her from here.
1: The Weber sisters, don't leave them out. They were top female group at Studio One back then.
0: The Weber sisters. The Weber sisters. It was two of them or three of them in the group? Two of them. I got to do some research on that one there.
1: Yeah.
0: Wow. I know um, who else was here. There was There was a lot of Leroy Gibbons. Um, oh, but Leroy
1: Gibbons yeah. Leroy and Leroy Brown. Mm-hmm. You were one of great mm-hmm. reggae artists. Yeah. Live here for a while, mm-hmm. but now he's back in Jamaica. Yeah. Lodi I said was live here. He's the father, the music here. Yeah. Pioneer.
0: Definitely. He's
1: living in Brazil. Huh?
0: Okay. Off the ear before we started, you were giving me a story about um, Ziggy Marley. Let's talk about that there.
1: Okay, well we're getting into the food business, huh?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Ziggy Marley travel with the chef mm-hmm. and Toronto, the only place that Ziggy come and the chef don't do no work. Yeah. I'm the one who prepped their stuff. And again, back to Lance, Lance was the first person mm-hmm. who brought Ziggy Marley here to Toronto mm-hmm. at the Copper downtown mm-hmm. when it was Ziggy Marley and the Melody Maker.
0: Yes. And that's how that connection came around. And that's
1: how the connection, two lands.
0: Yeah. That's that's interesting there. All right, so the food. Let's go down this food journey here.
1: I I cannot leave this one out. One of the greatest concerts ever held in in, in Toronto. Mm -hmm. Again, I got my receipt Mm -hmm. because I was invited there by the radio station at that time. Mm -hmm. So I got my receipt, I'll send those to you. It was Jimmy Cliff, that was 1981, and Peter Tosh biggest show at the O'Keefe Center. Jimmy Cliff and Peter Tosh. October 15, 1981.
0: I'm at a loss for words. I've never, ever, 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 ever heard of a show like that in Toronto before. Yes. At the O'Keefe Center.
1: Center. No, it's called the I think the Humminbird Center. It's or something something, something really like that.
0: Mm-hmm. So this is, okay, you know what? You're probably the right one to ask. Reggae was being kept in these type of places like Maple Leaf Gardens, O'Keeffe Center, all of these high-class places. And now you fast forward to like 2017, 18, 19, and 20, Reggae is not being in those places no more. It's in smaller venues. Sometimes you'll get a capacity echo of 2,000 people like a rebel or something like that. How come reggae is not in those places
1: anymore? Ooh, what happened? Reggae in Toronto, I would say. Instead, it's supposed to expand. Was As I said, most once of these these people, these promoters, mm-hmm. come out of the business, it went down. Yeah, I think that was one, one of the main reasons. Because Lance was the man who used to bring them in all of these big places. Mm-hmm. Jones and Jones, they did a couple. Yes. Big one too.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: But Lance was the main person who was bringing in all these artists and international artists, the Lucky Dubé and Alpha Bland, mm-hmm. he was bringing in everyone. And just I, I cannot go without even tell you that, Lucky Dubé was on Reggae Sun Splash 91, how will Lucky Doobie get to get to Jamaica? Yeah. Lance Ingleton, again, was the one who orchestrated with the promoter there.
0: In Jamaica? Yes.
1: 1991, Lucky Dubé at Reggae Sunsplash. Yeah. I was there also on that show, then, Lucky Doobie mm-hmm. in Jamaica back then.
0: Whatever happened to Lance? He passed away. Passed away, okay. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. uh, probably... Five years ago.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess before that he slowed down a lot and decided to come out of the business at that point there.
1: Well, he got sick, so then he came out of the business. Yeah. But uh, as I said, Lip and Blue Note Promotion, the two biggest promote company mm-hmm. in Canada regarding reggae music.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because I always wondered, if we were in O'Keefe Maple Leaf Centre, all these huge places, why did we basically go back to banquet halls. Yeah you know I mean it's it was really weird. I never understood that. Started so high, then ended up down here.
1: Yeah. And these things are not documented or anything like that. And those people should get real as I said, in Canada where Reggae is at now, mm-hmm. those are the people who set the foundation. Mm-hmm. And there's no way you're gonna tell our story and you'd leave those people out.
0: Yeah you'll be missing an ingredient. Yeah.
1: yeah. So those people, and again, I can go back with all those artists, and it's not only the artists. The record shop got a lot to, to do with it too. Mm-hmm. All those people in the business got a lot to do with it. So for instance, 28 years ago, you have SNW record shop. Yes. You have Moniker,
0: mm-hmm.
1: George and Moniker. You have Record Factory. Mm. Mm-hmm. You have... Um, Black Boy record that was done on um, Dufferin.
0: Okay.
1: And there was quite other. Then you have Cookie who used to distribute music. Yes. yes. So these people bring the music in, and we, the sound man, get to play those music. Mm-hmm. So actually, all of these people should get credit. They, we all build a house. Mm-hmm. This is not a one man thing. We all build a house.
0: For sure, I agree 100%. want to go through your food stuff right here, right now, okay? I know that you were into healthy eating, especially preparing Jamaican West Indian food, but a healthier style. How did that come around?
1: Okay, this come around um, when I started the Food Expo. I had a company called... Taste of the Caribbean
2: mm-hmm.
1: and African Food Expo. But I started that in the 90s. Okay. Um, early 90s, 95 there. Then later on, I started out, I registered it, bring it on the market looking for sponsors. Mm-hmm. And Heart and Stroke, after I present my plans to Heart and Shoke and they could not let this go. I had the first one, yeah. and they review, and the first one, and from then, Heart and Stroke was one of the main sponsors. Mm-hmm. So I prepared West Indian food and African food, the healthy, healthy style, because there's no doubt, our food is the best in the world. Mm-hmm. But if it prepare properly, yeah. So I happened to work with art and show, put on the um, Taste of the Caribbean and African Food Expo. This go for twenty-one years.
0: Twenty-one?
1: Yeah. Yeah. From ninety-nine to two thousand and ten. Okay. And producing these seminar workshop and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. When we had a one day one day seminar, we had workshops. So you you had um, Haring, participate. Mm-hmm. You have dietitian. Yeah. You have dent- dentistry. Because in health, in health-wise, oral hygiene is one of the main source. Not just eat some healthy food. Yeah. You should have proper oral hygiene. Okay. Because if you're not a proper oral hygiene... From there to the heart. Yeah. So that's the key. So we had all those people. We had people um, in the water. Your water is important, very important. Your mm-hmm. utensil, number one, when you're cooking. Okay. Because their study shows over and over and over that aluminum over the year causes Alzheimer's. These are true studies, not just coming from Tipper. These are true Mm studies, and I follow the scientists. And lots of food we consume Mm -hmm. with lots of stuff in it, and we don't even know we should check. Like, for instance, baking soda. Yeah. There's baking soda. Baking soda got aluminum in it. Mm -hmm. Some baking soda. So people, when they buy, you should check. Yeah. If you have aluminum, you should avoid it. Baking soda, baking powder. Mm -hmm. Also, molasses. If it contains sulfite, Mm -hmm. you should avoid it. So in health, it's not just to cook some food. Mm -hmm. You have to know the ingredient, proper ingredient, for it to come out healthy. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And the way you have to cook it.
0: Yeah, I never knew half of what you were just saying just now. And again, remember, people are just living day to day. They might stop at a McDonald's, buy something. They might go home and cook something too. But it's not just what you're cooking. It's at the utensils you're using. The the, water. Yes, the seasoning they're putting in. All of this stuff equals, as you said, healthy living. And you wouldn't know that. You think it's like, okay, eat some lettuce, eat some greens, and you're okay from there. No, it's
1: not that and, and in cooking and even people should know what they eat as I said like for instance orange juice mm-hmm. if you have one orange each morning mm-hmm. but try to get the one with the seed on it it's much healthier than having a glass of orange juice every day because the orange juice that they make a lot of people don't know what happened it pasteurized. Yes. And anything which is pasteurized, they have to take it up to a certain temperature. So all that nutrient is gone. Got you. Again, making juice, you cannot make juice in a blender. Mm-hmm. That's not a juice. Yeah. That's a drink. Yeah. <laughs> if you're going to make juice, yeah. Now knowledge is so advanced. Mm-hmm. You use a juice extractor.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: No water added, no sugar added. Like, for instance, making carrot juice, all you have to add is a little ginger. That's it. And a little lemon juice, if you wish. Mm-hmm. Option.
0: But uh, no water.
1: No, no water. Because once you add water, that's not the juice anymore.
0: Yeah.
1: In a blender, you make smoothie. mm mm-hmm. Because smoothie you can add some juice or add some water. Yeah. So that is a drink. Yeah. It's a beverage. It's not a juice. Mm-hmm. A juice you have to make from the juice extractor. Or the juice you buy in the in its health store, if it's a hundred percent natural juice, mm-hmm. most of those juice are cold pressed. But once it heats at a certain temperature. It killed everything. Because,
0: because that's what I always wondered when they say something is coal pressed. Exactly what did they mean by that?
1: Well, it's the same like extracting the juice.
0: Yeah. Get it. <laughs> you know what I mean? All right. Another thing here. I seen that you were actually celebrated as one of 100 Jamaicans in Canada. Why were you celebrated and when was that for?
1: That was um the uh, groups called the diet for for um so what happened? They picked me the reason for that, because of my um food business. Okay. Because I was providing healthy food and again I did link with art and stroke, not only doing these seminar, but also develop recipe for the art and stroke, mm-hmm. the healthy way. So they
0: Choose me. Okay. And do you remember what year that was? Uh,
1: you hear, I can't remember the year, but again, I got the receipt, so. Yeah.
0: That's all that matters. But that's all that matters.
1: <laughs> I can't quite remember the year, but I got the receipts.
0: Yeah. Okay. And there are some other documents here before I get you out of here. that I'm going to ask you two more questions before I get you out of here. Exactly what is this document here?
1: Okay. This is the Canadian um, Black Music Association Mm -hmm. charter, the Canadian charter, formed by um, Norman Otis Richmond. Okay. Um, He was one of the founding members. Um, You got other people, you got um, Milton Blake, P.V. Smith, Mm -hmm. um, and other people, Zola. And you have lots of other people at that time. That farm, when that group was farm, mm-hmm. I was there talking with them, so I know when that group was formed mm-hmm. And it was mainly farm, not just as a um, a charter at the U.S., mm-hmm. but anyone who performed mm-hmm. in South Africa at that time. In the apartheid government, yeah, that's what it will really formed to boycott those entertainers who did go and perform perform in South Africa. Yeah, that was one, one of the main reasons. So I can say thumbs up to Norman Otis Richmond, and also he was pushing for the Juno mm-hmm. for reggae and calypso to enter the Juno.
0: Okay because there was no category for reggae or no. calypso back then no
1: i notice Richmond is the one who pushed for that
0: yeah you learned something new one more before I get you out of here I have the CHRY guide in front of me the program guide alright how were you involved with CHRY the radio station
1: okay CHRY I involved first with PV Summit mm-hmm. because after PV Summit, um leave the Station downtown, mm-hmm. commercial station, got a program at chry mm-hmm. And I was guest regular on this program. And the reason for that, the wide selection of reggae music I got. Mm-hmm. So they used to bring me in. I was guest on TV Smith. I was guest on um, Fitzroy Garden, was on Chin. Downtown. I was a guest on his show.
0: You're a guest on his show.
1: And yes,
0: yeah.
1: I was a guest, and um, Elaine Thompson, E.T., David Kingston. I was even at Rand Nelson one time too.
0: Yeah. Okay. So you were doing a lot of guest spots on the radio station at that time yeah, there.
1: Yeah, Be- and, and Luther Brown, the Caribbean Crucible, mm-hmm. I was a steady contributor there And because, the Caribbean Crucible.
0: I guess because of your access to music at that time there.
1: That's right, and not only the access, but we, we don't just play music. We give the history of the music. There are certain song I can tell you who played the bass, who played this there, and thing. That is what I study.
0: Yeah. The history of the music Yes That's quite interesting A little birdie told me once that um, Tennessee came to Canada
1: You know anything about that? Yeah, Tennessee. I was living at um, and St. Dennis at the time mm-hmm. Tennessee came Dennis Brown came And when Dennis Brown came There was a it was In the 70s There mm-hmm. was a show at Varsity Stadium mm-hmm. Remember that big show? Maybe <laughs> uh, tell me, tell me. In the 70s. Nah. Dennis Brown toured world, uh, live, Parks and We the People, at the Varsity Stadium on Blow Street. So that was the time he came through.
0: Dennis Brown came through yeah. at that time there. With Tennessee, kind of did he come to perform or what no, was the point of it? he did to perform. Yeah.
1: He came here and he was here for a while and then we leave and go to the States.
0: Yeah. Okay, so he left Jamaica, came to Canada. Yeah. And then went to the States. State. So I'm guessing this was probably like 85, 6 or 7, yeah. that type of time there?
1: And then he, was, he got killed in the state.
0: Right after leaving here? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Tipper, it's been a great conversation. And I know we've only covered 5% of the journey you understand because you've been in it as i said from a canadian standpoint from 1970 that's 50 years you understand so what you've seen the contributions that you've made throughout that time there is amazing i just want to tell you thank you for actually coming and sharing your story
1: yeah and as i said it's a lot more yeah the journey will continue
0: definitely and again, my door is always open because we got so much more stuff to talk about. You understand? Got to big up my brethren, Pablo, Soul Survival, that actually made this happen. He called me one day and said, listen, I got tip about this, this, and this, and this. He's always telling me. So I said, what? One time. Don't ask me again. Just tell me when, the day and the time, I will make it happen. And here you are today. And so big up
1: yourself. Big Thank up, you, too. Actually, actually, it wouldn't happen. Without all the mice also. Mm-hmm. Because normally, most of my stuff I got, I got them in writing. Yeah. And I got them, all of these stuff, I pass them on to my offspring. Mm-hmm. I got them all in re- writing in my receipt, as I said. So yeah. everything is there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I got clippings from the Toronto Star and from all kinds of magazines in the States, mm-hmm. stuff I'm doing. So this is not really... A hype thing or whatever we want to pass on the history to those who don't know
0: yeah this they're going to learn a lot because i've learned so much you understand and this was talking to you off the air and talking to you on the air definitely learned a lot and thank you so very much for coming through today all right, let oh. me give you an outro and get oh, you out no, of I'm here. Really Thank you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is Muscle, and this has been another Two Line Music Cuts Entertainment Report podcast, and we are out. This podcast is brought to you by www.twolinedmusiccut.com.